Welcome to the conversation. This is Christy. And hi, I'm Gretchen. This is Conversations to Connect. You're listening to episode six, where we will be getting real about unhelpful thinking habits. So today we have one of my best friends with us, Jessica, and she and I met 15 years ago when we were working at... For people that are not in the mental health, mental health field, it doesn't really matter. Basically, we were working But weren't with, they offering mental health services? Who? The, what we were working yeah. for? Yes. That's what I mean. So, like, if you're <laughs> not in the mental health field. Right. If, well, if, and if you're not in the field, you wouldn't know. We were TSSs. And right. basically, what we did was worked with kids who had behavioral problems. So, somebody else came up with the plan. You implemented the plan. Correct. Okay. Um, and she and I were the only two at the facility that worked with people who were deaf because we're both fluent in sign language and as well as Christy is. But at the time, I don't think either one of us had met Christy yet. We, I don't think, I don't so. think so. That came in later. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so Jess and I have known each other for 15 years, have also been working in the mental health field for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been in and out of different... Jobs and so it's so well, and now she's replaced us. So Gretchen and I worked together. We said before at the uh, local community mental health center, and we have both since left for private practice. And we needed somebody to overtake that very very difficult case. <gasps> yeah. And so now you know we get referrals to us, and we send them Jess's way because we know that she can handle pretty much anything Aww. we throw at her. <laughs> Oh, appreciate that. So we're happy you're here but with us. But also dealing with a lot of unhelpful thinking habits mm-hmm. and bringing up that we work with people that are deaf, whether you're deaf or hearing, everybody deals with the same issues when it comes to the way that we think and um, particularly how that can kind of spiral into sometimes depression and often anxiety mm-hmm. that creates uh, barriers to what we're trying to accomplish in our lives. Yeah, and so I think that last time when we met and we were talking, we talked just generally about unhelpful thinking, and this time maybe taking a little bit more time to explore about where does that come from. So similar to what we talked about in the Boundaries podcast, um, that what we know about boundaries is what we are taught from our caregivers, from our parents, from the people that are around us when we're um, growing up. It's the same thing with unhelpful thinking styles and the way that we think, right? Those are things that we learn from the people that are around us when we're growing up, whether that be our parents, our siblings, our peer group. And they're also intertwined in a way that when we have unhelpful thinking habits, they often lead to us not enforcing good boundaries or having very strict boundaries. So it's our thoughts that influence our behavior or influence our feelings Mm -hmm. that later influence our behaviors. So if we think about this sort of um, in a circular motion, that everything affects the the other. Everything is connected Mm -hmm. in life. Absolutely. Um, And so we invited Jess. Jess, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself at all or like what you do now? How long have you been working in the mental health field? How did you get into that? Like, how did that happen for you? That's quite a story. (laughs) (laughs) We have some time. It's okay. The short version, I guess. Yeah. Um, Well, first of all, I was a theater undergrad and had no experience with mental health. So obviously, at all. a perfect yeah, a perfect segue, a perfect into, segue mental into mental health. Yeah, 
And it was actually a joke. I was taking sign language classes at CCAC because I had had a deaf friend in college and thought I would further understanding deaf culture and sign and all that. And I met this girl who worked at that agency where Gretchen and I met. And she said, hey, you sign really well. Have you ever worked in mental health? And I actually was a nanny at the time because I was just fresh out of undergrad. And I said, no, but the woman I work for is crazy. <laughs> and she was like, good enough. And, <laughs> and I was I like, oh, okay. Problems all, day all day long. long. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. So I interviewed at this agency where I met Gretchen. And um, I had no qualifications other than that I could sign. Yeah. And they were like, welcome. hired. <laughs> They were like, we need staff, so come on in. Yeah, and I, I'll never forget. It was I was about to get married. It was Christmas Eve, and I was getting married in mid-January. And the HR guy calls, and he says, you have no qualifications for this position whatsoever, but you've already been offered the job. So I have to give you the base salary, which was $23,000. <laughs> and I was like... Well, that's, I mean, that's fine. I mean, I don't even know what that adds up to because I totally like, okay, it's money. Right. So I was like, okay. So I had no idea what I was getting Did you have any unhelpful thinking habits happening for you at that time going into a job that you weren't qualified for on paper? Yeah. (laughs) Literally being told that by the person. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I, I think being 23 really helped. No, I think it was 22. It's right out of graduate, right out of high school, college. Ugh. right out of college so I think I was like oh I got that I mean I'll get this yeah so I was mm-hmm. <laughs> oversimplifying maybe <laughs> I was minimizing well I think the, what I could do I don't know I was the same age I think when I went and worked there too right so I was maybe what like a year behind you mm-hmm. maybe not much yeah. not much maybe less than a year and it was mm-hmm. the same thing like I had my degree from University of Pittsburgh in psychology so I knew I wanted to do something in terms of mm-hmm. helping people and mental health I had no idea what I wanted to do I went to a pit job fair with a stack of resumes mm-hmm. ready to hand them out and there were four businesses that had anything to do with mental health everything else was business related of course And I just gave my resumes to those places. And one of them happened to be that agency that we ended up working at. And the only reason they called me was because I had sign language skills. Mm -hmm. So it was the exact same thing that you went through. Mm -hmm. And I remember them bringing me in. And even though I had a background in psychology, I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. I had none. I remember when I very first started at Mercy and I was doing my internship there and it was right before I saw my very first client, and they were very diligent about your, um, my supervisor at the time would screen people and say, okay, this is somebody that's appropriate for you. So yeah. it was somebody that was going to be very appropriate for somebody at the stu- student level, but I was completely freaking out. Mm-hmm. So much so that I had a very close mentor of mine um, who has since retired, and he was fabulous. He just brought me into his office, and he was like, let me shut the door for a second, and he was like, we don't need people to know that our therapists are freaking out. <laughs> and I was like, what am I going to talk to for an hour? And yeah. now I'm like, um, maybe we could double up your sessions because we got a lot of stuff to uncover. But it's so much a part of the yeah. process of becoming a therapist that people don't realize. You know, we're just trying to figure out what works, especially at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I always appreciate when people say, hey, this is something that works for me. This is something that doesn't because... I see, what, four, 35, 
people in a week, like, not everybody's going to be the same. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's a really good point, what you said, Christy, about, you know, as a new therapist, right? Because the three of us are all therapists. We're mm-hmm. all in the mental health field, so we can all relate to that. But I can relate to that, too, just as, like, I'm a new adult, right? Here yeah. I am. I yeah. am maybe coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. I'm, mm-hmm. I, you know, I went straight into college. I think we all did, right? Yeah. All three of us went mm-hmm. straight into college right after high school. And this whole, like, great now I'm making all these decisions for myself and I have no idea how to do yeah. that, right? Like, and and then even mm-hmm. after college, right? I went and got this job and I remember, I think I had the same amount of money, so don't worry. I'm pretty sure <laughs> I also, <laughs> I, with a degree, had $23,000 as my base salary. I was actually a, um, a, a teacher before I was a therapist and I went and got my master's degree and when I got my first job I made $5,000 less than I made as a teacher. Yep. So uh, I went, I got a higher, higher degree for more money and got offered less. But yeah. Well, I, and I think just that, just this idea of what, how are we supposed to know these things mm-hmm. and we can't. Right. 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 And I think that mm-hmm. there's a lot of like societal pressure and yeah. maybe even familiar pressure, pressure, like people from our family or yeah. peers about like, mm-hmm. what, what are you doing? Right. right? All of these questions. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was always something that I got a lot of pressure with, with my family. And my dad is an extremely talented and very well-known person in his field in science education and so was always very much of a go-getter himself in his own work and instilled that in me and my sisters very early on because I know that he was in his mind doing what he thought was best for us right I just want them to have a good career and to have a good education and all of those things behind them but in the path of doing that I think made me, I can't speak for my sisters, but made me feel like I didn't have a choice. Mm -hmm. And so I constantly had to push myself and I constantly had to put myself in a position to always do more and to always want more. And that was really hard, Mm -hmm. you know, to, to get out of that, to deal with that in the first place when I was in college and even early outside of college, but also to like deal with all of the repercussions of that. Well, yeah, and I think that everybody gets their own upbringing, and so that's why we can look at these things in different ways, because like Gretchen said as well, my family very much instilled a strong work ethic, but not to the point where I felt I had to Mm. meet a certain requirement or that I was going to be less of something if I was getting um, lower grades. They were very supportive in that regard. Um, what I experienced growing up was this n- need um, to take care of other people. Yeah. We are a very close-knit family, so everybody lives sort of in the same general area still to this day. And so there was this idea that putting more time and effort into relationships was equally, and it is equally important, but at the same time, like that's not what defines you as or a Or maybe person. it was even more important than other things. Exactly. It was mm-hmm. your experience. Yeah, so I think about this in three circles. So you have a work circle, you have a personal self circle, and then you have a personal relationship circle. And so whatever is the biggest is what's going to get the most of your attention. Mm-hmm. So where one person might really value work and be there all the time, their personal relationship is going to suffer. Maybe whether it's family or with a spouse, but also their own self-care. And then you think about somebody who's really focused on themselves, making sure that they get adequate 
exercise and all of their needs met, their work is not necessarily going to suffer, but it's going to be less of a priority. Yeah. So. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Even in terms of what we talked about earlier on in the podcast about having all of those different kind of baskets Baskets. Mm -hmm. that we manage, where like taking good care of ourselves in... um, emotional ways and spiritual ways and like in the different self-care mm-hmm. right that we have to kind of balance all that out but that that makes a lot of sense too when we're talking about different um aspects of our lives sure we were looking at all of these different unhelpful thinking habits i don't know if it's helpful if we <laughs> list all of them i think it might just, be okay i think it might be so we have these worksheets that we often give out to um, people that we're working with just to help them understand that every single one of us thinks in all of these unhelpful Mm ways. Um, So it's important to recognize that if you're listening to this and we're going through these and you're thinking to yourself, oh my gosh, I do every single one of these. That's okay because so do I and Mm -hmm. Christy and Jessica. We Mm -hmm. all think in all of these ways. You might think in one of these or some of these ways more than others, but we all do all of these. Well, and going back to that basket piece, I find personally for myself that if I'm lacking in getting adequate exercise, getting adequate sleep, eating well, like if my diet and movement is off, I'm going to be more likely to have some more negative thinking styles or stress. Mm -hmm. If you have something going on in your personal life and you're trying to focus at home, or at work, um, then you're definitely it's not going to be, be harder. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally agree. So the first one that we um, will talk about is all or nothing thinking or black and white thinking, and that gets in the way all the time. So you know things are always terrible or or they're perfect, right? If they're not perfect, they're terrible. If I'm not right, then I'm wrong, right? There is no in between whatsoever, and I personally thought like that a lot growing up again because that's kind of like some of the experience that I had in growing up with um my family and that a lot of people thought in those ways so it's like one person if one person was right then everybody else had to be wrong and that got you know so then it was always me fighting to be right because I didn't want to be wrong Mm because I also learned early on that being wrong was not a good thing Mm -hmm. right if you were right Ha ha ha. I I can hold this over you. But if you're wrong, it feels bad. And it sometimes maybe was pushed in your face. Not always. But, you know, with siblings, it always was. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're right. Mm -hmm. Do you guys have any experience with that one? Um, I think for me with all or nothing thinking, um, I I, I honestly identify myself as a discouraged perfectionist. (laughs) So, like, I often, often will feel like, I really want it to be this good, but it can never be that good. So I'm just going to settle for this. Gotcha. You know what I mean? And then that, to me, becomes a cycle of it could never be what I wanted it to be. So it kind of accepting, so like, it, subpar yeah. a little you bit. You want different, mm-hmm. but you're like, but I'll never have that. Right. And so it's, it's a, yeah. It's discouraging. Yeah. yeah so. Well, it is a different way of all or nothing thinking because... If you always think that you'll never get what you want, that is a different way of thinking about that. Right. And it seems, I think, at times I can convince myself that it's like, I'm just content. But I don't think it really is. Like on a deeper level. Yeah, on a deeper level, I think it honestly is, I don't. I don't think I could get to that. Mm. So I settle for this and I'm just like, and it's fine. It's fine. But is it? I don't know if it is necessarily. Like I think that I don't 
push myself to rise to the challenge of maybe not perfection, but just better than. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, does mm-hmm. that make sense? It does. Yes, sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I was thinking in terms of where this shows up in the therapy office. And I think that sometimes it becomes personal of people. Like, this person is the greatest person ever. Oh, yeah. They can do everything for me. And, oh, my gosh, any advice they give me is just the bee's knees. I love it. Or this person is horrific, and every time I need Mm -hmm. to deal with them, it makes my life worse. And yet, But so the idea behind that is, well, where's your power in that? Where do you step in and say, hey, I can choose to direct this in a different way, to not engage with this person? Totally. Um, So, yeah. All or nothing in in that regards is something I think. I also think about in terms of addictions. Um, oh, yeah. Whether it's a, a lot of people that I work with, it's food or alcohol. And it's kind of work. like or work. I deal a lot with people yeah. that are addicted to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this black or white, all or nothing thinking is I need to give my everything. Mm-hmm. And then you have nothing else for the rest of like those baskets in your life. Well, and again, and if I don't, so for me, this is where the perfectionism came in, right? If I, your critical self. Exactly. Mm-hmm. If I don't get all A's, if I don't give everything, if I'm not working X amount of hours, if I'm not getting this uh, on my yearly staff, you know, review or whatever, right? If I'm not getting this amount in my bonus, right? And it just became like, not good enough, not good enough, not good enough, over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it ties into those critical negative thoughts that I had about myself. Jess, you and I were talking earlier about the critical self and how that... (laughs) That shows up for everybody. Everyone. We're making assumptions and personalizing what other people are doing. So if you could talk a little bit to what your experience has been as a clinician or as a person. Which one? I'm sorry. um, Being critical of ourselves. Yeah. Um, Being a clinician and being a parent, Mm -hmm. I think that those two are very, very easy to touch on Mm -hmm. because um, if a session doesn't go well... Oh, yeah. You know, like clearly I... How do you know it doesn't go I was just going to say... (laughs) No, I was just going to say the exact same thing because there we are already judging. Right? Right. Right. You're right. I mean... Right. Based on... You're right. (laughs) But Christy and I do that too. I know there are definitely times where someone walks out and I think, oh, God, that was not good. Or that was the best session ever. (laughs) And then it wasn't. I don't know. I know. And so exactly like already backtracking from that Mm -hmm. and just saying like, what what did I do? Like, how did I personalizing? Yeah, personalizing it and then being critical of like, you know, am I even in the right field? Like, did I do this? Did I do this? And I'm not even like I'm supposed to be. Constantly on and constantly helping. Mm-hmm. And if you're not doing that, then why are you doing this job? Mm. You know? But there's there's also some all or nothing. And that's another oh, thing yeah. that we talked mm-hmm. about last time was how easy yeah. we bounce from mm-hmm. one to another to another to another to mm-hmm. all of a sudden, even within one thought, mm-hmm. you probably touched on three or four three different or four, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's you're how welcome. fast. <laughs> exactly. Thank you for that demonstration. It was Jess. deliberate. <laughs> yeah. But that's how fast it happens and we don't even realize it. And so it's like we're so far down the rabbit mm-hmm. hole before we even realize that we're mm-hmm. in one that then yeah. to get back out of it feels so overwhelming and daunting. Mm-hmm. It's so difficult. But you started to talk about parenting and I want you to talk about yeah. that too because I am also a parent. Mm-hmm. And so dealing with being critical of ourselves as parents, what yeah. do you find? 
well, I difficult. Well, I think that for me with... Um, I get really critical when... Um, I see them making the same mistakes I make, mm. you know, and I'm like, oh, like, why didn't you why learn didn't I teach from them better? Yeah, yeah. Why didn't I teach them better? Why didn't I, um, why didn't I say like, I already know this is my bad. Like, why didn't I teach you not to do mm. that, that bad? You know, because yeah. everyone has their own degree of what they're going to do that's wrong. Absolutely. Always. But like, why'd you have to revisit mine? <laughs> You know, so like if I had just gotten over it by then, they wouldn't have learned that, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. and then the realization of like, they're going to have their own stuff anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whether they learn it from me, they learn it from their peer, like whatever. But it, I think it is hard, especially because from the time they were born, I remember when I was struggling with postpartum depression, feeling like if Max, specifically my son, if he was to die there would be no one to blame except me, mm. you know? Wow. And so, and like, and I could, like, looking back, I see like, well, geez, Jess, like, that was a lot of burden to put on yourself, mm-hmm. you know? But it was so real. Yeah. Like, and, and we are, we are given these children to kind of ensure that they end up decent people. It's so it's hard. It's such a burden. <laughs> It's so yeah. hard. And so it's easy to be critical of yourself when you're like, I'm kind of solely responsible for this person to be actually okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And then all or nothing coming into it. Like, yeah. I, you know, the whole thing. But I, I get critical of myself when I think, like, um, I should have known better than to either model that behavior or teach that behavior. Well, and that's a great segue into the shoulds or musts. Which always Goodness, goes I'm in. sorry. No, it's perfect <laughs> because that's another unhelpful thinking style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That word should is another word that I feel should be removed. It should be removed. Mm-hmm. It would benefit us if it was removed from the English language, just like the word normal, as Christy mm-hmm. and I have talked about before, because it doesn't benefit us. Mm-mm. When we use the word should on ourselves, we are setting expectations of ourselves that are often unreasonable. Mm-hmm. So I Agreed. should know what my children need. Mm-hmm. It is impossible for us to know at any given time exactly what someone else needs from us unless they tell us. Right. And so even if it's children, especially if they're nonverbal, oh, forget it. Like right. we're just guessing. Mm-hmm. And even well, Gretchen, when they what can... was that? We recently attended a great training, a trauma-informed yoga for um, mindfulness and therapy. And what did she say that the average parent needs to attune to their child 30% of 30% the time. 30% of the time. So there you go as a therapist too. So whether your yes. parents... So, and that's not to say, oh, I just don't care about anything. But if you did 30%, you're doing, <laughs> doing all well. right. But And that's yeah. really... That was really helpful mm-hmm. even to hear again mm-hmm. because even... You know, I tell people all the time that are parents that come and see me. I say, you know, being a parent is like the ultimate screwing up of your mind. Because you are solely responsible for another human being's everything. Mm -hmm. Completely taking care of them. You're responsible for their safety. You're responsible for teaching them and giving them everything that they need. That is an impossible task. Well, Mm -hmm. and I don't have children, but I know from watching my niece and nephew um, and also friends of mine that have children... No two are the same. Mm-hmm. So right. God bless all of you that have more than one child mm-hmm. out there because 
the personalities are different, mm-hmm. the needs are different, yeah. like how right. they react and respond to the world is different. Mm-hmm. So you as a parent are having to wear multiple hats for multiple children yeah. and then your work hat and then your right. spouse. So then as a wait, mm-hmm. as a working parent, it's like, okay, so I should be a good parent. I should also be attending to my job. I should be a good wife. Mm-hmm. I should be a good husband, a good partner, a good child. You know, I should know the answers to this. I should know I'm mm-hmm. their mother. I'm their whatever. I'm all of this stuff, right? So all of the shoulds. And then when people put shoulds on us, like if I said to Christy, I'm really upset with you because you did this and I don't know why you did that. You should know that that would piss me off. Mm. Now I'm placing this unrealistic expectation on somebody else, right? Mm-hmm. You should yeah. know what I'm thinking. You should know that I don't like that. Or maybe Christy asks me, what do you want? What do I have to tell you? You should know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This comes up all the yeah. time with couples all and, the time yes especially when you're co-parenting it feels to me again you two are the experts when it comes to parenting um it, it feels to me that there's so much stress and pressure to that that it automatically gets pushed on to your partner and then these here's two more unhelpful thinking um disqualifying the positive or over generalizing yes mm-hmm. so always totally. and never in couples counseling, you cannot say, you always um, watch TV instead of coming to bed, or you never do the dishes right. or this and that. It's not fair to say because you might be feeling overwhelmed and that our brains automatically tell us we're doing more, somebody's doing less. So I'm curious to see what your take is on that. Hilariously enough, my banker husband, not therapist husband, <laughs> banker husband is constantly reminding me, don't say always. Don't say never. You can't say that. That's not fair. And I think it's hilarious that I'm like, I did. I did just say it. Like, it's like your gut reaction Mm -hmm. sometimes. Because when it feels like it's two or more times, it is always. It does. It it feels like that. Again, like Mm -hmm. we said before, when you're stressed, when you're tired, Mm -hmm. when your needs are coming second, third, Mm -hmm. fourth to other people's, like, Mm -hmm. that's what's going to happen. Well, also, I think just as a culture, we generalize all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many times have you said to your friend, Mm -hmm. They ask you, hey, how was your day? Oh, God, it was horrible. Literally, I'm overgeneralizing, saying Mm -hmm. my entire day was horrible. Every single minute of every day, Mm -hmm. start to finish, the whole day was horrible. And it's not. It's Mm -hmm. not true. It Mm -hmm. wasn't the whole day. You know, or like, how's school going? Oh, God, it's terrible. Right? All of it? All of it is terrible? (laughs) Or like, or even the positive. How's work? It's great. Mm -hmm. It's fabulous you know and it's like that's just as anytime somebody gives me that kind of response i'm like oh really yeah <laughs> is it and i you know not all the time but sometimes i do challenge them to be like really every single minute of every day mm-hmm. especially if they're generalizing it to the negative mm-hmm. because oh, yeah. that's what we tend to do we see negatives mm-hmm. so much easier than we do positives right and that's just i think a human experience right. that's going back to kids having kids and yeah. I think that the younger you learn about limiting that overgeneralization the better yeah you know especially with friendships because they're so unpredictable at this yeah. age like I remember Max coming home and being like I'm totally popular <laughs> like everyone likes me and he's like in first grade and I was of course they do of course they love you you're amazing you're perfect. perfect you know oh, that's and funny. um and then you know two weeks later I just feel like I have no friends you know and so such and it's drastic. such a it's such an interesting balance too because they'll say things like um everyone hates me right and you're like well does so-and-so hate you or does so-and-so hate you? And they're like, no, no, no. So it's really this person you feel that about. Or this group. Or this group of yeah. people. Yeah. And so really helping them to narrow down, like, 
it's not the world. Like it really is just this person that feels like the world. Well, and honestly, there's nothing that reinforces for myself better than when I hear myself tell my children those things. Right. Right. Because I do this all the time where Mm -hmm. I'm, and sometimes I'll, I'll, I won't even catch myself because I'm saying it mm-hmm. in my head. Oh, yeah. And the way that we talk to ourselves in our head yeah. is totally different than how we talk to ourselves out loud or how we'll talk to one of our friends. Right. So, like, I, I don't know if you have experienced this. I'm sure we all have. So I don't want to make assumptions, though. But, like, <laughs> I'll think and think. I'll be driving in the car and, like, thinking all these thoughts and thinking all these thoughts. And then all of a sudden, one of them will come out of my mouth. And something will come out like, you know, my life is just horrible. And I'll hear it. And I literally will go, what? It's not. <laughs> but I've been sitting in my car thinking for probably 10 or 15 minutes about all the reasons why my life is horrible. And I wasn't able to recognize that I was thinking mm-hmm. these things until one of them slipped out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. And then I heard myself say it. Right. And so I nothing... don't know if it's because I've been honing in on these a little bit more lately. But I feel like, especially with my clients, people will say things out loud like, oh my gosh, I'm such an idiot. Or I did this and I'm so stupid. Mm. And it's really hard to not try and, you know, combat that for the person because once, like Gretchen, like you said, you hear yourself say it out loud, it's like, wait a minute, did I just say that about myself? So there's two of us, again, going back to Eckhart Tolle, talking about our thoughts not being who we are. Yeah. And um, learning to look at all of these unhelpful thinking styles and saying, this is not me as a person. You need to, in talking about, like, what's something I can do right now, learn to separate that. Yeah. See it as a separate entity. Right. Yeah. But I think that's something that, you know, in like Jess was saying in talking with your son, and I do the same thing in talking with my boys about what they're going through or processing it with them or even with our clients. Like, I feel really grateful that the job that I have is constantly reminding me of these things that I need to work on. Like, I'm sitting there talking to people that are across from me, Mm -hmm. and in my head, I'm like, remember this, Gretchen, because you did this yourself earlier today. And I've even said that. Oh, I shared that with my clients, too. I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this right now, and I'm telling myself this. Like, I need Mm -hmm. to hear this again because it's good stuff. I frequently share that with my clients, either in session or just, like, they're struggling with something. I'm like, I did the same thing this past weekend. And they're like, you did? (laughs) You think this way, too? Like, yes, we all do. Mm-hmm. Jess, I know that you're really great about looking at thought patterns for clients and especially clients that are deaf that need concrete and blunt, direct instruction on how to change this or mm-hmm. at least identify it. Do you have any tips for people when they're doing that? Like, what would you tell your client if I was saying, you know, oh my gosh, Jess, I am so upset because I'm completely taken advantage of at work. And then I go home and my spouse doesn't care and doesn't want to help me. Mm. And my kids are screaming and all I want to do is just like run away and like not have to deal with life. Like, what do you think that I should do? What's some advice? <laughs> not that we're putting you on the spot at all. <laughs> I am totally putting you on the spot. I know. I know. I'm totally like, <laughs> so, I don't know. <laughs> so when you're, so when you're acting, so when 
people are acting as though this is yeah. the end of the world. Oh, when like they're catastrophizing? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay, gotcha. Okay, fine. We're going I'm sorry. in this direction. God, yeah. I hear what you're saying now. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's so funny. I was like, My I, life I don't is know over. what I would say. I'm She's, sorry? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, to yeah. start out with, I'm sorry that you're yeah. feeling that way. That yeah. sounds really overwhelming. Right. What I tend to do when people tend to kiss ta- catastrophize, it's very similar to what I do with my kids as well. Let's hone in mm-hmm. on what's going on at work. What's going on when you get home? What's going on? And we really, I really feel strongly about patterns mm-hmm. because I see it in my own life. Like mm. what I've created with my husband. Like I, at times, like I'm not even mad at him, but like, my reaction will seem like I'm mad Absolutely. at him. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm like, and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, I don't even know where that came from. Yeah. You know, yeah. but it was like kind of my gut mm. was just like, Bleh. so I kind of like to break down because I really love I really have loved doing trauma therapy. Like, Mm. I really enjoy the process. It's painful, but it's, like, Mm -hmm. neat to just kind of hone in on these specific times Mm -hmm. and kind of restructure them. Mm -hmm. So when I think about that, if someone came to me with all of this, Mm -hmm. I think I'd hone in and do, like, not a timeline per se, but, like, a a photograph of your day. Right. And say, like, well, what was going on here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Well, that's excellent that. advice to just be able to stop yourself, take a couple of breaths and say, mm-hmm. what's in front of me right now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What What did I just come from and where am I going, going to? Yeah. So mm-hmm. because it's so easy, like Gretchen, you said before about everything firing at once and then all of a sudden we're overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. We can't breathe. We stop breathing. Right. And um, that's when all of these tend to like follow one another get in right. way and yeah. they do they spin it spins into each other absolutely so well and you talked about the catastrophizing which is a huge one right which is basically like making mountains out of molehills mm-hmm. right so like we have something happen and it, we just grow it into this huge thing the opposite of that which we can sometimes do is taking something that is really big and minimizing it Mm -hmm. because we don't want to deal with it because we can't deal with Mm -hmm. it in that moment because we don't know how to deal with it Mm -hmm. um because whatever right lots Mm -hmm. of different reasons that like there are things that are going on and i just don't want to fit you know face them and so it's not a big deal so both of those blowing things out of proportion and catastrophizing but also minimizing um is another unhelpful thinking habit The minimizing one um I think is really easy to pick up. I'm catastrophizing is easy to see too because it's mm-hmm. so blatant in your face. But the minimizing one is so I call it like like being a camel and putting your head in the sand. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? And so so some of my hearing clients specifically will be like, I know I'm cameling. I realize I'm cameling. <laughs> you know, awesome. yeah. I'm gonna steal yeah. that. <laughs> well, it's it's very good because it's such a viv- vision, like a visual yeah. perspective, and I and I find myself doing that. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, way too much. This is too much for mm-hmm. me. Right, to handle. and basically, I just want to ignore it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I want to pretend like this is not happening mm-hmm. in my life right now, or that it's not as big as it really is. Right. It's not a problem. I'm just gonna ignore it. Yeah, yeah, it just doesn't. And I think that our brain does a great job of, like, self-preservation, too. Sometimes I think that that's an okay thing. Yes. If I can't handle all of this right now, I just need to hide away for a little bit. But Mm -hmm. I need to revisit. I need to come back and say, like, that moment was not working. But I need to. I need to yeah. make this work. Well, balance, <laughs> yeah. right? It's mm-hmm. always. It always comes back to that. Mm-hmm. It comes back to balancing. And absolutely, like sometimes there, there are things that we do for a reason that our mm-hmm. brain does to preserve us, like you mm-hmm. said, Jess. Um, and it, it it does that for a reason, right? Because mm-hmm. survival. That's why we're. That's what it's. That's basically its job. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think the important thing is always coming back to those things, not burying our head in the sand and leaving whatever we buried there with it, you know, Mm -hmm. but coming back out and coming back to those things at some point and revisiting them. Another one that I really feel like shows up in every single session that I do, well, and in conversations with friends and with myself too, is uh, prediction. And saying, I know that this is going Mm -hmm. to be the outcome. I've been there and done that before, or I just know how this person is, or whatever. But for me, when you learn to become more present with what's going on around you, like right now in the moment, you really don't have the energy or interest in thinking about the future. At least for myself, that's what I found. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it becomes more exciting in that way. Like, I'm really curious to see how this is going to happen. Like, maybe this is how it would have happened in the past, but I don't know. Like, sky's the limit. Like, Mm -hmm. people can surprise you. And so that, I think that the prediction comes from people needing to feel that they need to protect themselves. Because, oh my gosh, if something out of the ordinary Mm -hmm. happens, what can I do? I don't trust myself. And that's where critical self comes back in. Like, I can't handle this. So... Um, any other ideas about prediction? Yeah, the prediction, I like to call it, um, break it into two different ones, fortune telling Mm -hmm. and mind reading. Those are my favorite, right? Because it's basically the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not only predicting that I can tell the future, that I can fortune tell, but I'm also predicting that I'm an excellent mind reader Mm -hmm. and I can tell what everyone else is thinking about Mm -hmm. me, about others, whatever. And I agree with you, Christy, that I think a lot of it is Mm fear-based, right? So Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I'm terrified. Instead of seeing it as... Well, it allows you to depersonalize Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Because then that doesn't mean I'm a bad person mm-hmm. or I did something wrong. Yes. Because I can just put it on you, Gretchen. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it also doesn't allow us, though, to enjoy what you were talking about, which is the mm-hmm. excitement of maybe mm-hmm. a potential experience, mm-hmm. right? right? So, like, if it's oh, I'm going to apply for this job. Well, I'm predicting that I'm not going to get it, that I'm not qualified, this and this and that. You know what? I'm just not going to apply, mm-hmm. right? Well, I'm not giving myself the opportunity to maybe actually have an opportunity to get that job or right. maybe even just to have the experience right. of yes. going for an interview and doing all those things, mm-hmm. right? Like we as a culture fear failure right. and see mm-hmm. it as a very bad thing mm-hmm. and I was raised that way again perfectionist over on this side right I don't want to fail I want to win at everything I want to be the best at everything I want to have straight A's I want to be perfect and so failure was my biggest enemy and the mind reading and the fortune telling was my best friend mm-hmm. and it got me into a lot of trouble because it prevented me from taking on experiences it messed Mm -hmm. up relationships with friends because Mm -hmm. i i misinterpreted things that happened because i i just knew what they were thinking or i knew what someone was going to do and i didn't because we can't because i know i'm not a mind reader there might be some people out there that are but i think the majority of us do not have those abilities well i know with mind reading and clients when in session especially when there's like it's almost difficult to differentiate when they're conveying the story versus from what they've said, uh, yes. the other person has actually said versus what they've felt they were thinking, saying <laughs> in their motions and interaction, you know, I always so, ask that. Same here. Same here. Yeah. I'm always like, well, did they say that? And they're like, I mean, that's what they were. That's what their Implying. face was saying. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that doesn't mean anything mm-hmm. like my, unfortunately as people, 
our faces don't always match what we're really feeling. You know, I remember oh, yeah. so many clients who would say, I walk down the street and I try to like wave and be friendly to people and people just are so mad at me for waving at them. I'm like, or they just had a fight with their girlfriend. Right. Or they're thinking about yeah, something. Yeah, or they're living their life. Like this has nothing to do with you and you are putting it on you mm-hmm. that you know what they're feeling. Yeah. And that's so damaging. And it, it, it hurts your feelings so unnecessarily. Well, this happens because you talked about it like with your relationship with your husband where he'll be like, why are you getting so mad? And you're like, oh my God, I didn't realize that I was. Mm. That happens a lot in my relationship. I think it happens in all relationships, whether it's friends, but probably more partners because you're with them so much. So much, yeah. But you know, like you come home, you have a hard day and you're interacting with your partner and I don't know, maybe you snap at them for something and they're like, why are you being so mean? Or why are you so angry? And you're like, I'm not angry. And they're like, but you're yelling. Well, I'm shut up. You know what I mean? Like, you're just pissed. Yeah. Because I'm not even angry at you. I'm angry at something else. But my partner is probably thinking, again, what did I do? Because I know that that's sometimes my interaction. If my husband comes and interacts with me and he's in a pissy mood, initially it's like, what oh, did I do? Right. How did I mess up? Did mm-hmm. I forget? So, so immediately, I'm doubting myself. Mm-hmm. Almost immediately, those thoughts immediately yeah. pop into my well, head. We've talked, Gretchen, before about letting people know, hey, on this day and this day, you know that I work really long hours, and I don't want to talk to you. Yes. <laughs> don't call me. Leave me alone. Stay like separate. So you can recognize when those opportunities mm-hmm. are going to happen that you might be upset or Mm -hmm. snippy with somebody and head that off. Well, and that goes into our boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. Like we talked about before with you also need to know what you need in those situations, right? You can't tell somebody else what you need from them if you don't know what you need for yourself. So again, that goes back to setting good personal boundaries. Not needing to anticipate other people's needs or expecting them to anticipate yours. Correct. Yeah. And also one of the things that I developed in my relationship with my husband because we got into this habit of doing it way too much, both of us, where he'd be in a bad mood and I would assume that I had done something wrong or I would be in a bad mood and he would assume that he'd done something wrong, that we kind of chose this phrase where we would ask each other, what's going on right now? And that's Mm. our um, way of interacting. Um, (laughs) um, That's our way of interacting with each other when we recognize that somebody is in a bad mood. Is it perfect? No. Do we still say to each other, the hell is wrong with you? Yes. But we try to, if it's like we catch ourselves in the moment and we'll say, is everything okay? What's going on right now? Mm-hmm. Because it, for me, it's great. It gives me a section, a section, a time to take a step back and realize, am I actually mad at my husband? And if I am for what? Mm-hmm. And if I'm not, what is going on within me and right. I and to recognize that I'm taking it out unfairly on him. And mm-hmm. we do that a lot, right? Like we have so much stress throughout the day. Like Christy said, some of our days are really long, whether we're working or we're stay-at-home parents mm-hmm. or we're in school, whatever we're doing, right. we have really long days that mm-hmm. require a lot from us. Right. Then we come home and if we're in a relationship or we have children or even if we're spending time with friends, we we have so much that we're bringing to that interaction that we don't even realize is still being carried mm-hmm. with us. And 
I think that in the I know that in the last 10 years we've had another layer of expectations put placed on us with the way technology is. Oh so my gosh, you yes. You used to be able to go to work and come home and not at Maybe I'm dating myself and saying, oh, remember the days when you had to hit the number two three times to get the C to text somebody? <laughs> Don't worry. That was seriously a thing. And AIM was, you know, jamming on oh your computer my gosh. there. But, like, Dial now up. people are like, Dial up. <laughs> right? If it kicks me off, I'll tell you that. Um, I'll be right back. BRB. BRB. So, anyway, but so many people are being placed um, in situations where they're expected to answer emails from immediately. Work. Friends are calling, mm-hmm. um, text messages coming through, mm-hmm. social media, trying to keep up with your kids' schedules, mm-hmm. trying to get to soccer practice and check homework and all of this. Like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. overload. It's we are a lot. On, yeah. Mm-hmm. I had to get rid of Snapchat for that reason. I downloaded it for the filters because I thought they were so, <laughs> so cute. But then people started sending me messages on there uh-huh. and then they uh-huh. disappear. And I was like, wait a minute. I swear to God, you told me this thing, but it's not in my text messages and it's not in my Facebook messages and it's not in my Instagram DMs. I'm like, oh my God, people have way too many ways to contact me. It's yeah. too much. It is. And the thing is, too, is I find really overwhelming with that is, I mean, if I text them on Friday, if they don't answer me till Monday, they say, I'm so sorry it took so long. And I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, it wasn't like, can you take me to the hospital right now? Right. You know what I mean? Like, there's such an urgency to it, which I don't I don't impose because I'm like, it takes me forever to get back in touch, too. But I just feel like. I hate that it's created this, like, forgive me for ignoring oh, you. Sure. And you're like, mm-hmm. well, that's, that's like another impulse should, yeah. right? That if I text you, mm-hmm. you should respond to me. Right. How many of us have been in a relationship like that? Maybe oh, not yeah. all. Yeah, I know I have. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's another thing where it comes down to communication. Like, mm-hmm. what relationships in our lives are we putting that expectation? And mm-hmm. when people do that, it's, why aren't you responding to me? What are you doing? What does oh, that mean right. about me? So they mm-hmm. are in their and own then unhealthy thinking. And all the unhelpful. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear back from them. What mm-hmm. does that mean? Right. And then we personalize it. So mm-hmm. that's another unhelpful thinking uh, mm-hmm. habit is personalization. They didn't respond to me. So that must mean that I did something wrong mm-hmm. and they don't want to talk to me mm-hmm. and it's all my fault. Or, and, oh, I bet you it's because I didn't say yes to their dinner invitation mm-hmm. the other night. Mm-hmm. What an mm-hmm. asshole. You know, like, mm-hmm. and now I hate you. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, when you do respond back to me, I'm like being cold and mm-hmm. like, well, <laughs> Mm-hmm. For no reason, because oh, I have created you. something in my head that wasn't even actually mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. I did that one just recently with Talia. She had come Which home. Which is your her, daughter. Oh, my daughter. <laughs> sorry. My daughter, Talia. Um, <clears throat> she had come home saying something about a birthday party. And she was not upset about not being invited to the birthday party. Mm-hmm. But I immediately was like, oh, my gosh. I... I'm offended I, for you. I am hurt that you're not invited to this party. And like, were you not a good friend to her? Like, did I not teach you how to be a good friend to someone? Like, this is a very good friend of yours. Like, why weren't you picked for the party? There wasn't a damn party. There was oh, no party. Oh my god! It was just her birthday weekend. <gasps> and so she thought, oh, she's probably having a birthday party. She assumed oh, okay. and was fine. And I and not being included, and was not fine. I was like, I can't believe you're hurt in this way. And this, you know, yeah, the personalization mm-hmm. thing I think also goes a lot into this idea of like comparing ourselves mm-hmm. to other people. Mm-hmm. So I know that like a lot of times 
I get that this happens to me with my friends, where, especially mm-hmm. when we're in large groups. That's always mm-hmm. worse. And I've learned as I've gotten older that even though I'm an extrovert, I do a lot better in smaller groups because of it's overwhelming for me. So when I get in big groups, I might be interacting with someone and I feed off of energy because I'm an extrovert. So I get bigger and louder and crazy. And then somebody... <laughs> I look at possible? I know, right? Can you believe it? And then somebody makes a face and I see it and I mm. immediately think, I've gone too far. I'm annoying people. This is too much. All of these, right? Like, and I go to this place where I'm too much, I'm too much, I'm too much, Mm -hmm. because that's a core belief that I have about Mm. myself, that I'm too much with everything. And... Um, and I personalize it and it's like that person could have like smelled something funny yeah. and, like, literally like I, had a gas they could have had a gas <laughs> like they could have like had a random thought and like scrunched their nose up and they just happened to do it at the same time that, that I did something wondering. and mm-hmm. I looked and I just personalized that immediately mm-hmm. not only that but then as you're personalizing those things and thinking, I've done this, I'm not a good person, we then look at all the people around us and think about how much better mm-hmm. they are than us, mm-hmm. right? Or how much better we are than them. Either way, right. comparisons mm-hmm. are no good and it's they put good. us in a really bad spot. Right, and it's unfair. Like, it's unfair. Oh, I yeah. think that I, I remember being checked when I was younger saying like, well, I mean, it is kind of rough, but at least I'm, you know, at least I don't have that. And oh. a friend of mine checked me and was like, really? Did you just say that? Like, that was really rude. And oh. I thought, you're right. And here I am thinking, like, I'm being compassionate. Right. You know, like, <laughs> I just recognize how hard this is for you. Mm-hmm. And and I'm just grateful I don't have it. And she's mm-hmm. like, no, that doesn't mean anything. That was horrible. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that we, we do that. And also with minimizing others' problems. Like, yes. well, you know. You don't have cancer. Oh, the the silver like, lining. Yeah. That's what I like to call that it. That shows silver lining. up a lot in therapy mm-hmm. of what gives me the right to sit here and complain about mm-hmm. what's going on in my life. Well, first of all, you're not complaining. You're trying to actively figure out a way to deal right. with things. Mm-hmm. So you have to put that into perspective. Mm-hmm. And that's where the shoulds are coming in yep. again. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I, I should. I should be able to handle it. Mm-hmm. I should be grateful that I have a job. Yes. I should be happy that mm-hmm. I have a partner. Like, well, mm-hmm. maybe there are issues in any one right. of those mm-hmm. um, situations that you're looking to change. And that's totally, totally right. okay. And acknowledging that is fine. Mm-hmm. Like, I am happy I have these things. But there are really some bad parts to it, mm-hmm. you know? But I, I, I feel like that really stalls people out a lot. When yeah. they feel like they should be grateful. Well, and also mm-hmm. the the shoulds also, I think, come in, that's where comparisons, for me at least, come in a lot too, is, is that um, I should behave in this way, or I should look that way, or mm-hmm. I should not do that, right? Mm-hmm. So like, well, I'm better than that person because I don't, <laughs> I don't do that, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, or I'm, I'm not as good as that person because look what they did mm-hmm. and I should be able to do that too. Mm-hmm. So those shoulds often go in, um, in conjunction with our comparisons mm-hmm. with other people. And what I tell people is, you know, comparisons are never helpful ever, ever, yeah. ever at all. And it's something that I say to myself on a daily basis because, that's again something that I was kind of taught initially mm-hmm. was like if I'm being the best, then somebody has to be being the worst. The worst. Mm-hmm. So I'm mm-hmm. constantly looking for people right. that are less than me mm-hmm. or trying to put myself above other people. It's a horrible thing to do, and it puts you in such a horrible mind space. Mm-hmm. It does. It's, it's so neat to hear you like say it though, like yeah. you're so aware of it because 
it's hard when you're in counseling. I think you can, you know, you gently lead people towards that. And in friendship, obviously, you know, you do the same thing yeah. in different ways. But like, what I love when I hear people talk about the insight they have on themselves. Yeah. Because like, it's just such a neat thing that you're like, you know yourself. Like, you know yeah. yourself. You're willing to own your flaws. Mm-hmm. And that you still struggle with them, that you haven't like victory over them, but you're mm-hmm. working on them, and it's so yeah. just neat to hear. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell I it. tell people all the time that there never comes a day where you say to yourself, Got "This it. is it, <laughs> this is it, everybody." <laughs> I have reached the top. My work here is done. That still not enlightened yet. Getting there, not <laughs> yet. Day at a time, One day at a time. time. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, there is no penultimate. There is no, I well, am now in enlightened. My, in, in my meditation training, working with people that have meditated for over 20 years, oh. and they still have days, and I still have days, when I'm sitting down to do a meditation, and I'm like, oh, it's a mantra day. And a mantra oh. is something that you repeat over and over again, because, um, you know, it sort of like solidifies the meditation that you're doing. But... Um, when I repeat the mantra over and over, it's because I'm thinking so much about something that's busy and then I know I have to go somewhere afterwards. And so it's about, for me, learning to train your brain in a way that you can control your thoughts, which is, you're you're rising above that. So when yeah. people are very overwhelmed when they're beginning meditation, I say, just hold on because you're going to get to a point <laughs> where some cool stuff is going to happen. Yeah. And if you just can withstand that feeling of of course it's going to be like a waterfall of thoughts like you're not going to be able to quiet your mind you're not supposed to be able to but that's the first step of learning to separate your mind from who you are well it's Mm -hmm. just like learning anything like I tell people that too where I say you know okay we're going to start working on changing the way Mm -hmm. that you think or we're going to start working on meditating and like Mm -hmm. trying to quiet your mind so that you get a little bit of a break Mm -hmm. and they're like I just don't think it's that easy. I'm like, well, no one said that it was easy. (laughs) Was it easy for you to learn how to drive a car? Was it easy Mm -hmm. for you to learn how to Mm -hmm. do math? Like, was it easy for you to learn how to ride a bike? No, this is a skill Mm -hmm. that we need to learn. And that a lot of times we are not explicitly taught. You know, like Mm -hmm. we don't get the chance to have someone tell us, hey, this is what you need to do in order to manage your thoughts. Um, this is what you can do to quiet your mind. Mm-hmm. Like, again, mm-hmm. if the people who are around you, your caregivers and the people that raised you didn't have these skills themselves, right. they're not skills that they're going to be able to mm-hmm. teach you. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with them. They were just doing the best that they could with the what? skills that they had. Mm-hmm. And, and we will be in future podcasts and snippets here and there giving the tools. Oh, definitely. Where you can start with that. Yeah. So I'm just trying to think if there's any other um, unhelpful thinking thoughts or styles that we haven't talked about. Oh, I think the one that we didn't really touch on, maybe we did before, was the labeling. So that labeling is something that just, Krista, you talked about it a little bit when people would come in and say, like, I'm so stupid, or Mm -hmm. I'm a loser, or maybe this is a stupid question, or, I mean, this might be dumb, but, like, those kinds of things. Like, when we label ourselves, or we label the things that we're doing or we're about to do, Mm -hmm. that And other people, too. Like, Mm -hmm. you can say, oh my gosh, I have to deal with this person, and Mm -hmm. they are just completely clueless, so whether Mm -hmm. you're... Putting that on somebody else or yourself, you might be putting yourself in a position of power, so to speak. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, or just 
changing the way that you view that person, mm-hmm. right? So again, that kind of goes in with the comparisons. But I know that like when we label ourselves, it never feels good. Mm-hmm. And I encourage people to to change that. So if if you're in session with me and you say, um, this is stupid, but I go, it's not stupid. And the people that work with me know they say, now, if you're with me for a while, they'll be like, I know this is stupid. This is not stupid. Like, they catch themselves because it's important to recognize that. Like, what you're saying is not stupid. And if you're putting that precursor in there between, like, a question, like, Mm -hmm. okay, I know this is a stupid question, or maybe this is silly, but we're judging it because we're worried that somebody else is going to judge it. So that's even that kind of, like, a mind reading. I Mm -hmm. think that you might think this is stupid or this Mm -hmm. is crazy or this is silly. So Mm -hmm. I'd rather judge myself Mm -hmm. than have somebody else judge me. Well, what if they weren't going to judge you? Mm -hmm. We don't know that. And if they are, that is valuable information Mm -hmm. about who is this person and do I want this person in my life if they're going to be judgy. So don't judge yourself, people. We have enough people out there judging us that we don't (laughs) need in our lives. Don't add to that and judge yourself on top of it as well. That's not helpful. That's very true. Not helpful at all. And I think that that goes back to the parenting thing, too. Like, I remember when they were little and I, there were certain words that they just couldn't say for any reason. Like, it, you know, I remember having people say, well, I mean, things can be stupid. But I was oh, like, if yeah. you introduce stupid into your language, then what's to differentiate that's a stupid chair from that's a stupid person? That's mm-hmm. true. So I think when, I think without being too formal, mm-hmm. I think you have to really, like, decide what words I'm just not using. Right. And I mm-hmm. love that you say that because normalizing any word is saying that that's okay. And so there are mm-hmm. certain words in our language that I feel mm-hmm. like are inappropriate across the board. Mm-hmm. And so whether it's one one person saying it because they feel like they have ownership over that word or another person saying it because they feel like they're talking about themselves and it doesn't matter. The mm-hmm. more you're saying it in public right. and around, the more we're normalizing it mm-hmm. for each other, mm-hmm. for kids to be like, oh, it's just a word that I hear. Right. It's just mm-hmm. a word that we say. Absolutely. No, mm-hmm. I completely agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a discipline. Yes. <laughs> it's hard though. And it's not, again, it's hard. we are not perfect, mm-hmm. right? And so we're going to mess up. That's mm-hmm. another thing. Like, don't be hard on yourself. Don't label yourself. Don't mm-hmm. personalize this. Like, oh man, I said I wasn't going to use the word stupid and then I did. And now my kid is using it. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I'm a horrible parent. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Right? Like, mm-hmm. be gentle with mm-hmm. yourself the same way that you want other people to be gentle with right. you. The same way that you would be gentle with someone that you cared about. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, and making sure that you bring that to your relationships. When we're sitting in couples sessions, oftentimes I'll say, are you on the same team? <laughs> is this like something we're working together on? And then... That kind of puts in perspective, like, oh, wait, this person is not my enemy. Right. And then to take it another step further, Mm -hmm. whether it's the individuals or I'm just working individually with somebody, like, would you say in your mind, like, you're your own worst enemy or your own best friend? And 10 times, well, maybe nine and a half times out of 10, it's I'm my own worst enemy. Like, where's that getting you? Is that really helpful? And let's start to take notice of the language again, Mm -hmm. like Jess was talking about that we use and yeah. how we talk to ourselves and whether or not that is truly helpful mm-hmm. because if you're being critical, your mind's just telling you that that's going to help and really in the long run it's I not. really, mm-hmm. really like that. Let's all be our own best friend. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be my own worst enemy. No, not it's true no. because true. it puts us in mm-hmm. such a horrible place. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think that's such a great way to look at it, Well, Christy. it makes so much sense because who wants to be with their worst enemy? Right! right. And who are we, not, who are we with 
all the time but ourselves, ourselves. yeah mm-hmm. so it makes you know, a ton of sense nice you work, learn Christy. something new Thank every you. day you do you learn something mm-hmm. new every day we're always growing see i'm not at the penultimate <laughs> i have not reached my peak as we never will because we're always changing and always moving forward and that's um, why we love having these conversations. Absolutely. And oh on that gosh. note, thank you so much, Jess, yes, for coming and for having this conversation with us. For I, having feel, me. I feel like it'll be the first visit. Hopefully of many. Oh, I we'll hope so. That would be visit. such an honor. Oh, it would be so much fun. This was so great. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your wisdom and insight into this idea that we're talking about and this issue that everyone goes through. Um, so thanks, everyone, for listening to Conversations to Connect with Gretchen. And Christy. If you like our show, want more information, and want to connect with us, go to our website at www.conversationstoconnect.com and follow us on Instagram. We hope this episode has given you some useful tips in creating meaningful conversations in your life. If you feel like you would benefit from talking with a therapist, one resource is www.psychologytoday.com or you can contact your insurance company. See you next time.